Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Hey, if you've got a Bible, you can go to Daniel chapter 6 this morning. Daniel chapter 6. And as we go there, I want to just talk for a little bit about fear. Now, all of us have experienced fear at one time or another, right? Come on. All of us. Yeah. Some of you are afraid right now. Some of you are afraid about, well, you fill in the blank. Um, I'm actually doing right now the number one fear that most Americans have, public speaking. Yeah. Number two fear, death. Number one fear, speaking in front of a crowd of people. I mean, it freaks people out. I was nervous this morning on my way to church. I said, God, remove my fear. And you might go, oh, pastor, you've been preaching a long time. You probably don't have any. I have fear sometimes, especially when I see a bunch of new people come to church. I go, oh, I hope it's good. I hope, I hope they like it. Hope they come back. One lady emailed me and she said, pastor, sometimes it seems like you're afraid when you preach. I kept reading on. She said, yeah, you don't challenge us enough. You should really get in our face and preach to us. So if you don't like some of the things I say this morning, I'll give you her name after church. (laughs) And you can all, you know, email her and go on her Facebook page. True story, though. She said, you should challenge us more. Well, the life of Daniel challenges us a lot to move away from our fear. Hey, what if we thought of our fear this way? If our fear causes us to be comfortable and we cuddle and coddle our fear, we'll be stuck where we are. But what if we were more afraid about missing what God has for us than we are about holding on to our fear of remaining the same? What if we looked at the future and said, Lord, I don't want to miss what you've called me to do. I don't want to miss speaking up for you. I don't want to miss praying for somebody that would need prayer. And the fear of what would happen if I wasn't engaged in that. Could you imagine if God used you to change someone's eternity? Just think about it. If God used you to change somebody's eternity. Oh, I'm too afraid. Oh, man, I'd be more afraid of missing out on being the changer, of being the one that God would use to see that person come to know Christ. I'm going to look at Daniel today, and I'm going to help you, especially if you're on the older spectrum of life. When I say older spectrum, I'm talking about 70 and up, so you're okay. You 50s and 60s, you're fine. You 30s, you're really fine. You're 20-somethings, you're safe, right? But Daniel's 82 years old. We pick up the story about him. And one of the things that we see is that Darius, the king now, is in charge. He's been through three kings. And most of the time when any king came to rule, all the staff was eliminated and the new king got to pick whoever he wanted to be a leader. But every time we turn around, Daniel gets selected. Every time we turn around, Daniel is getting promoted. Now remember, He was a Jewish boy that was taken away from his family and from Jerusalem at the ripe old age of 15. For three years, he's brought into a college of indoctrination, or better yet, brainwashing. They wanted him to no longer worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They wanted him to change his Old Testament dietary laws, and he would eat food based on those laws. 
And he wanted them to change his loyalty from not only God, but to the loyalty of the gods, lowercase g, of Babylon. They wanted him to change his attire. They wanted him to change the way he prayed. And every time Daniel stood up and said, I can't violate my God. It wasn't peer pressure. It wasn't legal pressure that we'll see in a moment that could stop him from being the man of faith that he was. But what is one of the things that caused Daniel to stand out? Well, number one in your notes, and you're waiting feverishly to fill these in, so go ahead. His competencies made him stand out. And it will for you. The more that you're competent in what you do, whatever it might be, if you're a chef, more competent in food. If, you, if you're a backhoe operator, more competent in how you get that bucket just right. and More competent in how you teach. More competent in how you lead. More competent in how you serve. Whatever it might be. And so Daniel, Daniel 6.3, distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. The, the, the king is going to divide his kingdom into three parts now. And he said, Daniel, I'm going to give you leadership of one of those divisions. That's how great you are and how wonderful you are. 82 years old and between 82 and 85, Daniel is going to do some of the greatest things he's ever done. Come on, there's hope for us older people. Come on. You know, a gymnast, a gymnast is about, well, 17 to 18 years old, a female gymnast, the prime of their life, 17 to 18. And the reason that that is, is because once they turn 25, our bodies are not as flexible as they were before. They're not as flexible. And a 17 or 18-year-old girl who can do all those gymnastic stuffs is going to be shown up by a 14-year-old girl who's a lot more like Gumby. Huh? Oh, I was reading about lots of sports, but I came across this in the NFL. You know what NFL stands for, right? Not for long. Not for long. That's right. Good. Number one answer. If you're going to play in the NFL, it won't be for long. So I'm reading ESPN, okay? It's real news, ESPN. And it shows that players, and I quote, uh, at all positions generally see performance declines by age 30. Yeah, players peak at around age 24 for running backs to age 28. That's their peak performance years. For most offensive linemen and quarterbacks, 28 or 29 years. Once you're over 30, you're starting to be a has-been in the NFL. Well, what about Brett Favre? What about... Yeah, there's a few of those exceptions. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Brett run lately. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's retired now, but man, his aches and pains are off the charts. Yeah. Now, here's something that happened. Not only did his competencies rise, but his character, number two, his character made him a standout. And no matter your age, listen, character counts. It really does. We all love people of character, don't we? No, no, no. We do. We love people of character. If you go to take your car to the mechanic and they give you a price estimate, and your car comes out a few bucks less than the estimate, you're smiling, right? If your car comes out double the estimate, you're crying. You want character. If you hire somebody to come work on your house 
and they show up early or right on time, and they do exactly what they said they're going to do. That's character. It makes you feel good. But when you've paid them a down payment and they don't show up, that's called a lack of integrity or a lack of character. We love character. We want people of character in our lives. Our word is our bond. We love that. And that's what we see in the life of Daniel. Actually, it says in verse 4 of Daniel 6, when the administrators heard the news, they tried to find a reason to undermine Daniel. Listen, his character was so high, they couldn't find anything on him. He's kind of like the Teflon man. Nothing would stick. And Daniel, with his hard work, we're going to accuse him of misconduct, but they were unable to do so. They could not find anything to say against him. Now, why do they want to say something against him? They're jealous. They don't want him to lead. By the way, there's people who are jealous of you. Maybe you know it, and there's some you don't even know it. They're jealous of you. There they go again, getting a promotion. There they go again, having something good happen in their life. Come on. And so notice what it goes on to say. They couldn't find anything to say against him. He was honest, reliable, hardworking, incorruptible. He was never lazy or negligent in any task. Now, parents, parents, if you got kids at home, cut this out, Daniel 6.4, and say, I want to bless you. I want to give you a gift. They're going to say, oh, what do I get? New iPhone? What do I get? A car? What do I get? A Starbucks gift card? What, is there money in it? No, no, no. I'm giving you something priceless. Let me, let me read it again. They couldn't find any misconduct in his life. They could not find anything against him. He was honest. Come on. Reliable, hardworking, incorruptible. He was never lazy or negligent in any test. Boy, you teachers, you should put this on the board. Just, just say it this way. Well, we can't put the Bible on the board. But just say there was a guy named Daniel. History records. He worked for the king, right? King Darius. And all the people knew that he was honest, reliable, hardworking, incorruptible. He was never lazy or negligent in any test. That means he got his homework in on time. Come on. That means he played football. He was the first one on the field, and the last one to leave. He put all the footballs in the net for the coach. Said, coach, anything else you need me to do for you? Hey, we had a kid years ago. He had talent. He went to Foursquare Church right here. His family right here. He was, he was pretty talented. And I met his coach one day, his freshman coach. And uh, he, I said, yeah, coach, how's it going? Great, great. I said, yeah, one of our kids is on your team. And he, he got quiet. And I said, I won't tell you his name. And he said, he said, well, he'd be great if he listened to me. I said, what do you mean, coach? I tell him to run right, he runs left. I tell him run up the middle, that's the play. And he runs to right. I tell him to come on time to the practice, he shows up late. He's out talking with girls. He comes in late to the practice. I tell him to come in early for weight training, and that I can't find him in the weight room. I said, what are you going to do with him? Not play him. I'm going to stand him on the sideline. He can wear our uniform, but he's not going to play unless everybody else breaks their leg. I thought, wow. So I was out of church on Sunday, and that young man came walking by me. 
hey, how's it going? You know what he said to me? I don't like the coach. I said, what's wrong with the coach? He tells me what to do. I said, that's the definition of coaching, right? Right? He's seeing the field at a different purview. He's able to look down and go, here's where the X's and O's go. I, I need you to move this way when the, the linemen block this way. He says, he don't really know football like I do. I go, hey, uh, come here. Come here, kid. Boy, I want to, what do you call that? Noogie, yeah. I want to get Oogie with the Noogie right here. Give him a little something. And I said, wait a minute. You're, you're 15, and you know more than the coach. You know your coach played in a Division I college? You know your coach played in high school? He was a star? You know your coach is old enough to be your daddy? I somebody ought to give you Oogie Noogie. Yeah. Hey, by the way, folks, how about we live this? I could talk about this football player kid all day, but how about we live this? He was honest, reliable, hardworking, incorruptible, and he was never lazy or negligent in his task. By the way, I'm going to tell you something else. That kid did not turn out good. Uh, he started his career. It did not go well for him. And uh, so something inside of him was a little deficient. You know what it was? The willingness to learn, like we talked about a few weeks ago, the willingness to make sure that his character would stand out. Okay, you had enough of that, didn't you? So let's move on. Yeah, his public commitment to God made him stand out. He was committed to God. He never turned his back on the Lord. He never turned his back on God. He never turned his back on his faith. He was loyal. He was competent. He was committed to the kings that he was serving, but he never changed his faith. Think about that. All these kings had different gods they worshiped, but Daniel said, I'm not going to allow my faith to be changed because of who's leading me, or who's my boss, or who's my manager, or who's my commander. We say this a lot around here, while our faith is meant to be personal, it was never meant to be private. It was never meant to be private. You know why? Because God wants us to share our faith. You know what he tells the disciples? Here's a challenge for you. Blame it on the lady. Here's what he said. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Open your mouth at some point and tell people about who Jesus is. So many of you know what happened. They try to come against Daniel. They can't find anything to stick on him. So they convince King Darius that he's the man. And that rather than people praying to any gods or God, that they should actually pray to him. They should use his name. Oh, Darius, I'm having a rough day. I need you to help me. The spirit of Darius, come and fill my life. I mean, how crazy is that? And he buys it. He believes it. And not only does he think about an edict, he creates a law that he signs into practice. Now, if a king wrote a law, if they wrote an edict, they could change their mind the next morning. But once they wrote a law, they could not change it. And so here was the law. No one is allowed to pray to any other god than Darius himself. Now, some of you may remember that when uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego heard the sound of the music, they were supposed to bow down to a previous king in our Daniel story, King Nebuchadnezzar. And they chose not to. And so they get thrown into the what? The fiery furnace. And the Lord delivered them. And not even a 
hair was singed. They didn't even smell like, like smoke. Now, how do you stand strong in your faith? Well, first of all, you remember that God was faithful in the past, and definitely Daniel remembers that. And secondly, you have to have private conversations with God, and Daniel did that all the time. Actually, Daniel prayed in the morning, in the afternoon, and at night, and there are some religions today who pray three times a day. Huh, guess where they got it from? They got it from the Jewish people. There are some people who might even be, might even be anti-Semitic. They might even be against Jewish people. They might even pray three times a day. Well, Daniel prayed three times a day, and he was facing Jerusalem. There are others who pray facing uh, Figueroa Mountain, come on, or Surf Beach. But he was praying three times a day, facing Jerusalem, and here's what he did. He had private conversations with God. The secret of standing for God is kneeling before him often. When you get down on your knees and you say, God, I need your help. And the third thing is we need to know the rewards are greater than the risk. So here's the law. If anyone prays to any other God but King Darius, they're going to be thrown into a lion's den. Question, would you break a law like that to make sure you didn't uncommit your faith to God? Would you, would you make a commitment? I, I wonder, I just wonder how many people would be in church today in the Lompoc Valley if somebody came out and said it's against the law to go to church. I wonder if people would come. I'd be here. I wonder how many of you would be here. What if somebody someday became the ruler of the world and said, no one should ever pray to God what if somebody said no one's ever prayed to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? What if they said no one should ever worship the Lord again? And if you do, you'd be thrown into a den of lions. Well, Daniel didn't care. You know why? Because Daniel had faith in his God, and Daniel knew that they were rewards that God would provide. Remember his three amigos, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? He saw that God had delivered them from the fiery furnace, so he wasn't concerned. He figured, hey, lion's den. I'll just fluff up those lions like pillows, and I'll just fall asleep on the lions, and they'll just purr, purr like kitties, and I'll just fall asleep and be restful. That's exactly what happened. He found the biggest lion with the biggest mane. He put his head on it. I'm embellishing the story a little bit. He put his head on it. He put his feet up on another lion. Breathe in, breathe out. Oh, oh, I'm getting a free massage here from all these lions. And you know what happened? It's a, it's a, it's a bizarre story, but they throw him into the lion's den. But here's what happened in Daniel's life. He had victory over fear. How do we stand for God? We stand for God, as we have victory over our fear. It's victory over fear. I'm going to stand for God. I'm not going to let any fear of some disassociation with somebody or a fear that somebody's going to be mad at me or a fear that somebody's I can't believe that religious stuff that you're bringing. You know what? People got issues. They're still going to have issues. But if we give them the gospel, that may change their issues. Think about some of the people you know about. They're mean, cantankerous. Just think about them. What if they encountered the love and forgiveness of God? Could that change their life? 
What if they encountered the fact that God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, what if they become a whosoever believeth in him and they won't perish but have everlasting life? In the Bible times, the early church times, they would take Christians who preached Christ and throw them into the Colosseum with the lions, speaking of lions. And oftentimes, uh, those people would end their lives being lunch for the lions. And, and, and all the leaders and the upper echelon of society would sit in the Colosseum and watch this happen. Could you imagine how morbid? The gate would open up and the Christians would be thrown out. The other gate would open up and the lions would come out and they would chase the Christians around the ring till they ate them. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. You know what it says? It says, Lord, you know the threats people make, so help us as your, to speak your word without fear. Their lives were being threatened because of their faith. And yet, here's their prayer. God, give us the courage to speak boldly your word without fear. Now, I, I, pray this today for you. I pray it for me, that God would give us strength to not be afraid of people. Sometimes you're the only Bible that people read. It's you. Sometimes you're the only Jesus that people get to see. It's you. Some of you work in places where you'll say, oh, pastor, it's dark where I work, man. We kind of get along, but we don't talk about private stuff or we don't talk about faith, you know. Well, listen, they're watching you. They're watching how you deal with issues in your life, how you deal with crisis. Sometimes you're the only Jesus that people ever see. Sometimes you're the only Bible that people ever get to read. Man, I hope they read a good gospel out of your life. I hope they read a good word out of your life. I hope as they see Jesus in you that they're blinded by the light. That's a good song, but they're blinded by the light. Let your light so shine before men and women that they see your good works and they glorify God in heaven. Number two, standing for God builds my faith and my character. Standing for God. Faith and character are like a muscle, and the only way you develop a muscle is to put it under stress. That's what weight training is all about. Every time you stand for God at work, it builds your character. I know some of you work at places where you just can't go, you know, I'm going to get out the Gospel of John and start reading it here at work. You get in trouble. I get that. But there's ways to share your faith with people. You know, I prayed this morning that God would give you all an encounter this week with somebody who desperately needs to know the love of God. That's a good prayer. That somehow someone would cross your path. And because I'm a little slow, I even pray this, God, make it so obvious that I can't miss it. I was at the car show yesterday, and I was talking with people. I had a couple different conversations with folks. And a couple of them I would like to call not coincident, but God incident. It was like a soft pitch and slow pitch baseball right over the plate. It was such a soft, right in the area where I could hit the ball, you know. Or somebody asking me a question, hey, tell me more about your church. What do you guys believe? That's a setup. <laughs> hey, what do you believe? It's a setup. It's a holy setup. It's a good setup. 
And you want to say, well, what do you mean by the question? Don't even ask that. Hey, you want to know about my faith? Let me tell you about my faith. Or if somebody asks you, how are you doing? Here should be your response. Do you want to know about my personal life, my family life, or my spiritual life? Good, good response? My personal life? My, by the way, you should have this in your hip pocket or right in your purse. Come on. My, my, my personal life, my, my, my family life, or my spiritual life? Well, tell me about your family life. And guess what? Have your story ready. Oh, the only thing that, that holds my family together really is prayer and faith in God. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, tell me about your personal life. Well, the only thing that holds my personal life together, <laughs> come on, is my, my trust and faith in God and my prayer and how God works. Well, well tell me about, oh, 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 tell me about your career. Oh, yeah. God has opened that door for my career. And the only thing that sustains me in my career, especially when times get tough, is my faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, well, let's get a little more personal. And wherever they go, whatever avenue they take, it all leads to that same answer. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. There's your family. Hey, God sustains me every day. I rest upon him. I trust in the Lord. I lean not on my own understanding. I acknowledge him in all my ways, and he directs my path. You could have fun with this, and then you could practice it in the mirror. Huh? And then when you get really good at it, you fine-tune it, you know what you can do? You can say, God, I'm ready. I'm prepared. Have somebody cross my path right now. And they're there. People are out there. You see somebody that's struggling? I remember years ago, I was going through the drive-thru at four bucks, I mean Starbucks, and I slipped, I'm sorry. And, uh, and the gal there looked downcast. I thought maybe she opened the, the store early. She was tired. She was just downcast. I said, how are you doing? She says, uh, not really good. My, my mom just got diagnosed with cancer. And now nobody was behind me, and I just simply reached my hand out. I, get, I didn't have a hand open. It was just like knuckles. And I said, God... May you give her peace. Her name was right here on her bed. You know? Uh, I'll just say Cindy to protect the, the lady. Lord, would you give Cindy peace and comfort? May your will be done for her mom. In Jesus' name, amen. And I got my drink, and, and she smiled, and I drove away. And other times when I went in, she said, are you still praying for me? Hey, can I let you in on a secret? I've never had anybody tell me not to pray for them. I always ask for permission. No one's ever said no. In my chaplain work, I've sat with a table of firemen. I've sat with a table of police officers before. I'm honorary commander out of the base, security forces. I've been with them out there. And I'll say something like this. Uh, If anybody disagrees with prayer, please raise your hand. And I'll honor your disagreement. But if you don't raise your hand, we're praying. I've never had anybody raise their hand. I've only done it like 25 years. Listen, folks, people are desperate to know that there's a God who loves them. We sang about it today. If God is for us, who can be against us? They need to know. And I love this line here from Peter, uh, excuse me, from Paul in 2 Timothy 1.8. You must never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Come on now. With the, let's read it. With the strength that God gives you, be ready to suffer if necessary. To share, the, to share the good news. What are they going to do to you? Hey, I got good news for you. What is it? God really loves you. 
The God of the universe cares about you. Jesus Christ, the Savior, wants to forgive you and have your heart be changed from the inside out. See, standing for God gives an opportunity for God to do a miracle when you stand for him. That's exactly what happens with Daniel. Now, the king throws him in the lion's den, right? And then I'm moving down to verse 19 to 23. It says, at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. See, the king didn't sleep the night before and didn't even have any entertainment. He didn't get on Netflix or anything. He just was really, really somber because he wondered about what would happen to Daniel. He knew the quality of Daniel's life. He knew Daniel's faith. And he's anguished. And here's what he said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, may the king live forever. He's speaking a blessing to the king. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions and caused them to purr all night so I could sleep. They were massaging me with every movement. They kept me warm. I didn't even need a blanket. Oh, I made that up. But here's what he did say. They've not, what? Hurt me because I was found innocent in God's sight. Wow. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. See, he's honoring his leader, his unbelieving leader. If you work for an unbelieving leader, honor them. Don't be disloyal to them. Don't speak about them behind their back. Don't gossip about them. Just have integrity through the process. Increase your competencies. Build your character. But don't you dare deny your faith in God. They have not hurt me because I found, and, and then he says, nor have I ever done anything wrong to your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, not even a scratch, because he trusted in his God. You know, when you stand for God, number four, it encourages other believers to stand up. Philippians 1.14, because of what I've been through, many Christians here have gained confidence, this is the Apostle Paul, and became or become more bold in telling others about Christ. It's contagious. That's why we reach out to our community. That's why we show you pictures. It's contagious. Once you do it, once you cross over the line and start serving other people beyond yourself, it gets contagious, and it's fun. We have a great time serving beyond our walls. And the next thing is that standing for God is a powerful example, not just to believers, but to unbelievers as well. Daniel 6, 25 to 27, then King Darius sent out a proclamation to every nation. I love this. Every race, every language on the earth. I decree that the God of Daniel is to be honored and worshiped in every part of my kingdom. Now, all these people who worship other gods and idols are being told, new law, new law, everybody is going to worship the Lord. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. Boy, what a preacher he became. Huh? His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And guess who said shucks? All the guys that tried to frame Daniel. All the ones that came against him. All the naysayers. All the people who hurled insults at him. 
And who got the last laugh? Daniel did. As he watches his king, this unbelieving king, turn his life around and come to faith. And then it says in Daniel 6, 28, so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian, and between 82 and 85, Daniel is more significant than he was when he was 15. Can I give you a little bit of uh, history here? 18 generations later, 18 generations later, a group of wise men from the east came to find Jesus, the Savior, Bethlehem. Guess what region they came from? This very region where Daniel lived. I wonder, could it be that Daniel and his strong faith and how he turned Darius the king around? And before that, Nebuchadnezzar, who turned his life around because of what he saw in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their faith was such that 18 generations later, there's a group of Wise men traveling from the east, looking for the star of Jesus Christ. Listen, don't you dare think that your faith today won't matter tomorrow. It will. The greatest legacy is not maybe what you build in brick and mortar, or how much is in a bank account, or, or some kind of retirement fund, or what you leave your kids. Some of us are going to leave our kids lots of debt, aren't we? <laughs> But the beauty is our faith will not be diminished. If we pour into the next generation and share our faith with them, if we bring people to Christ and they bring people to Christ who bring people to Christ, that's why we're even here today. It started with 12 disciples. Just think about that. Just 12 misfits. One of them, a denier. Another one who sold Jesus out for a handful of silver. Just a handful of disciples who went out to all the world and preached the gospel. And this thing called Christianity is still moving. It's still growing. People are still coming to Christ because people were willing to stand for God. Oh, there's one last fill-in, right? What's it say? One name. And I would like you to write down the name, just, just the first name, of a person that you're afraid of or a person that you're afraid to share the gospel with? I'll never tell. I tell Uncle Joe, man, next Thanksgiving will be hell. If I tell, oh, if I tell Aunt Shirley, she's going to come to Christmas, oh my God, she tells us, don't talk about politics and religion. Tell them, I'm not talking about either politics or religion. I'm just talking about my faith. Well, what do you mean? You want to know about my personal life? My, come on. I'm just going to tell you, Aunt Shirley, I want you to make sure that when you take your last breath that I know where you're going. How will I know that? Well, what's it to you? Everything, Aunt Shirley, because I love you. Hey, Uncle Joe, I love you too. I care about you. There are men who won't talk about their faith to their wives. There are wives who won't talk about their faith to their husbands. Knock it off. Stand for God. Daniel did. Be unshakable. When people try to shake up your faith and do everything you can to bring people to Christ, I pray that you'll pray over that name, that God will open the door for you and somehow a soft pitch will come your way. And you can hit the ball far for Jesus and we can make a difference for him. We hope you enjoyed today's message. 
please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.